Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll be talking about the idea of dream horses and how I had to apply that to my own search for a new horse after a young gelding of mine had to be retired. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the idea of dream horses. What are dream horses and what do they mean to individual people? And recently this year, several of my friends and colleagues have embarked on searches for their respective dream horses. Each of them had very different things they were looking for. And uh, all of them ended up choosing a young very well-bred prospects for the different sports they were interested in. They all had great temperaments and were a really good match for those individuals' goals. And I've met several of those horses and really liked them and, and could appreciate why they were those individuals' ideal horses. And then to my surprise this summer, I had to retire a young thoroughbred, a nine-year-old thoroughbred, due to some complications from EPM and other issues. And I found myself with only one horse. And those of you who know me well know that that just would seem really strange to me to only have one horse. Over the years, nearly all of my horses have crossed my path. I hadn't particularly been looking for those particular horses, but they sort of appeared in my life, so to speak, when I needed to learn something specific or maybe when I was trying to build certain skills uh, early example was when I was playing polo at a very, very low level. Uh, my first two horses were polo horses, and they both helped me a lot with learning how to get more confident in that sport, and they were great first horses for me. Most of the time, though, I simply encountered horses that caught my eye that maybe needed a good home. Uh, I have been running a racehorse adoption program for the last several years, and there were so many deserving horses that came through that program, and, and indeed some of them I did adopt and found just wonderful kind of experience learning from them, riding them, and then in some cases eventually retiring them, as this nine-year-old I recently just had to do that with, because of some injuries or a health issue or simply that it was time for them to do a different kind of career. And so this was something that I associated with when you're looking for a horse, usually it doesn't work out. Typically the horse finds you. But this summer when I had to retire my young gelding, I sat down and I think I was inspired by my friends who were doing their searches for their ideal horses. And I wrote down, what would my dream horse be? And I had a pretty long list as, as these things tend to go. And uh, maybe they weren't the same things that were on most people's list. I didn't care about a horse that was super perfect or had absolutely uh, exquisite confirmation or uh, was the perfect prospect in every respect. But I did want a horse who had good movement for maybe Western dressage, refined riding, uh, who had a nice temperament, who was maybe somewhere between the ages of, you know, six and eight and who had a good personality, an interesting personality from my perspective. Over the years, I had developed a real fondness for horses that have a little bit of quirk in their personality, not in a dangerous sense, but uh, I've worked with several horses who have a sense of humor, and, and you just can't beat that in a riding partner. Uh, goodness knows it helps for 
at least one of the people involved in the riding partnership to have a sense of humor. And in some cases it would be the horse. So I really appreciated that type of horse and uh, maybe also a horse that wasn't as in demand, a horse that had maybe been a little more likely to be overlooked. I always like those horses. Um, I think that I feel like I'm sort of treasure hunting in a way. And I also appreciate the underdog. I think like a lot of people do. So I put together this list and you know, I was very flexible on things like height. I think it was like anywhere from 15.2 to 16.2 would be fine. And we all know that if the perfect 15 hand little mare had come along, I would have adopted her too. So it all was sort of laid out there in black and white. At the same time, I also sat down and thought a lot about what are my goals for my riding over the next few years? What would I really like to improve? What would I like to learn at a deeper level? And how are those goals going to sort of meet up with a horse that maybe has similar interests and needs of its own? And one of my big goals uh, is to become a more refined rider. And uh, by that, I mean, just become more in tune with the horse, be able to perform consistent work that is beneficial to the horse that maybe helps the horse with lateral movements, with relaxation and balance. I wanted to become more precise and more consistent in how I approached my work with the horses. And uh, I wanted a horse that that would help me with that, but I also wanted a horse that I felt like I could also be beneficial for as well. I think those of us who came to riding maybe a little later as adults rather than growing up with them riding all the time as, as youngsters, I really felt like I didn't want to be in a situation where I was taking a horse that had all the promise in the world to be an incredible athlete or high level performer in a sport where I was going to be maybe always wanting to do something a little bit more offbeat and that maybe I wouldn't be able to bring that horse to its fullest potential in a discipline setting. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind too. At the same time, I wasn't denigrating my goals. I feel like uh, the goal of becoming a more refined rider is a very, it's a very important goal and it's a very uh, kind of a lifelong goal. You could be working on that from the ages of four to 94. It still feel like you had a ways to go. It's very individualistic, that type of goal to the rider and to the horse that they've chosen to work with. And so I had all this in my mind and I started doing some kind of informal shopping, so to speak, on Facebook, which means that I was just looking at lots of photos of horses and, and kind of getting excited about horses that were five or six states away, as we all tend to do on Facebook. And then a horse caught my eye. I had noticed him earlier in the year. He was an older racehorse named Cozy Kitten, and he had raced to age 11. He was up for adoption through a great group called Cantor Kentucky, and uh, he'd run 94 times and won, I think, about 358000 From his photos and videos, he was the type of horse that most people would describe as, as cute rather than flashy or dazzling. He was bay. He was about 16 hands. He had a very sweet face with a kind eye. And uh, there was something about the way he carried himself and moved that caught my eye. I'm not quite sure exactly why. I mean, he was certainly a very cute mover, 
But there was something else there that I was noticing on some kind of a subliminal level. And uh, I just kind of filed it away in the back of my brain. Hey, that's a cute horse. Keep an eye out on him. And uh, it turned out in July that I needed to go to Kentucky to do some podcast interviews and to do some horsewise business, visit some clients. And I thought, well, you know, while I'm in Kentucky, I mean, I noticed Cozy Kitten was still for adoption at Canner, Kentucky. Why don't I go check him out? And so I did. While I was there, I went and rode him at Liftoff Equestrian, which is a great group who works with Cantor there to restart the horses in their care. When I went to meet Cozy there and ride him, I was very impressed with how well they had sort of presented him. It was a very professional operation and they had done a terrific job in restarting him under saddle. And uh, one of the professionals there, Kalina, rode him for me. She put him through his paces, walk, track, canter, and I could see what a kind and willing horse he was. And, and again, what a good job they had done in sort of preparing him to start a new career. And they were riding, of course, more hunter jumper style, which is less of my natural talent, but I certainly have done a fair share of riding in that style. So um, I got on him. I was really excited to ride him. And uh, a couple of things about that ride really stuck with me. Uh, first of all, I noticed that he was very willing to, to follow my seat aids. And again, he was restarted very well, but it also felt like with him that this was something that was natural to him. And just to kind of give you an idea, you know, an ex-racehorse who's run that amount of times, 94 times, you know, these horses are real athletes. They're often extremely well treated at the track, but they are trained for that one discipline. So the idea of maybe wanting to lift their back and bring their back to a rider's seat is not something that would come as automatically to a horse that had had such a long career at the track as it might to a horse that's been bred for dressage, for example, or had a lot of natural tendencies and then had been trained for a dressage career. So I really noticed that about him. And we would be kind of riding along. And if I paid attention and really softened my seat and and tried to really balance myself in the stirrups so that I was helping him with the way that my weight was distributed, Cozy would do this really wonderful thing. He would drop his head and soften into this very kind of rounded form. This was not a a tight frame. I wasn't trying to hold him in a frame. He was offering me this naturally. And from very subtle things in my seat and in my balance and in my posture, I found this to be very, well, first of all, remarkable, but also very moving because again, it was something that he was so receptive to. And because he was so receptive to it, I found myself really trying to offer something back to him so that we could kind of together become much more subtle in how we were communicating. So I felt like he was really teaching me something by his very willing and receptive nature. At the same time, I could feel just like, again, this is like an older athlete. If you can imagine an NFL quarterback who retired at age 50 after a long and distinguished career, most likely if you asked him 
after he had retired about a month to come do ballet with you, it probably would be a little bit awkward because all of his musculature would be in a different area. Well, the same was true for Cozy. Of course, he was every bit the athlete, but he had a lot of muscle memory and musculature in areas that maybe wouldn't be as easy for him to bend and to soften. And so I thought maybe, hey, if I I could probably help him with that a little bit. I really enjoy that process of kind of helping a horse learn how to relax, soften a little bit, how to kind of get a little more comfortable with lateral movements, just at a very basic level. It could be very rewarding to to offer that to a horse and, and help them discover how good that can feel. And it also helps me again, improve how I offer It helps me improve my own aids and my sensitivity and my awareness when I have a horse who's really depending on me to offer it to him just right so that he can really understand it. So I was pretty excited by that ride. I felt like Cozy would be a good schoolmaster for me. The areas where maybe I'm not as smooth or relaxed, he was very clear in letting me know, hey, I'd prefer you do that a different way. And I like that. I like that. I appreciate that in a horse. At the end of the ride, we went out and rode in a big pasture together alone, and it was awesome. It was kind of like being on this very gentlemanly tour guide. He was like, let me take you around here. We're going to walk around to this big part of the field. And I could just relax and give with the reins and allow him to just tour guide me all about the pasture. It was very, it was very inspiring. Afterwards, uh, I was kind of handling him and watching him get untacked and everything. And again, a lot of times these war horses, they can be a little bit stoic. They can have sort of the personality of, of a cop or a military kind of a personality, very just the facts, ma'am, all business. And uh, I asked the folks at liftoff, did, did they think that he liked me? Because he was, he was being a little bit stoic. And they were like, oh, yes, he's, he definitely likes you. And so I was like, great, I'll adopt him. And so I did, and I was really excited, and I brought him home. And uh, and we're starting this kind of nice, long, slow journey together where we're teaching each other. And I would say, of course, that he is teaching me more <laughs> than I'm teaching him. But of course, that's the way it's the best, at least in my opinion. And that's why, for me, Cozy is my dream horse. He's not exactly what I said I wanted. He's a little bit older. He doesn't have the most perfect movement in the world for Western dressage. But what he does have is this great willingness and receptivity to offer something very soft. And that goes against, in many ways, what his previous athletic career had been. And I could tell it's something that he's been hoping that someone would take him up on probably almost every day of his athletic life. So that makes me feel really good that I could recognize that and that together we will slowly improve and grow together. And that to me is just the most ideal version of a dream horse possible. To my surprise, I discovered that not many other people felt the same way about Cozy that I did or a horse like him. He had been up for adoption for a few months and I had been expecting him to be adopted by the time I went to Kentucky. It just seemed like he was the kind of horse that someone would really want to snap up. And Liftoff Equestrian and Cantor had been very professional about posting videos of him, showing his process of restarting. 
He was extremely appealing, at least to me in those videos. Obviously a horse again, who's very kind and, and who will do a good job in a second career. But he was a little bit older. He was 11. He'd raced a lot, 94 times. He was not super tall. He was only 16 hands. And he was also not really flashy. He had a really cute face, but he was bay. He was brown, essentially. And there wasn't anything that maybe made him pop out to somebody who was looking for a prospect to do some something larger in the show ring, let's say. But to me, what I had spotted in him way back in his videos earlier in the year was this receptivity, I think. And I didn't really know what I was seeing, but when I rode him and I felt him, again, kind of offer the softness, softness that I don't think anyone had ever taught him to quite offer in that way, I was like, this is the horse for me. This is the horse who's going to teach me what I need to learn in order to become a more refined rider. And how cool is it that I also, at the same time, can help him because I'm not keeping him from 10, 15 other people who want to take him to the next level and upper level showing. So it really did turn out to be kind of the ideal partnership. And uh, I'm very excited about our future. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be dramatic. There's going to be a lot of work we're both going to do on the basics together. And I can't wait to give all of you an update in the next few months. I hope all of you who have found your dream horse are enjoying the journey the way that I am. And I would love to hear from some of you. I'd like to do a series of podcasts on people's dream horses and why they were the perfect horse for them. So if you'd like to be part of that series, go ahead and drop us an email or go to our website at horsewisecoach.com and let us know that you'd like to be part of it. And as always, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day.